0: was there any doubt in your mind after you quit the first one that you weren't going to do the second one?
1: No, no. I, I immediately, as you're sitting and signing the paperwork um, for your voluntary drop, um, I looked at my coach again and said, I know you have given more to me than you probably have to anyone who was training to be in this crucible. And I said, I'm coming back. And this time I'm going to come back and I'm going to just pass every standard. I'm gonna make you proud. Um, And so I knew, went back to the hotel and immediately booked the plane ticket that night. I mean, it was within a few hours. And on the drive back, someone asked me, do you wish that you had shot for something smaller, a 12 hour? And I'm like, no, because I wouldn't have known how far I could go unless I shot for like the biggest, most audacious goal okay, well, 26 hours, at least I know what the gap is, right? And so I'm not into playing it safe or comfortable because then you don't really tap into your true potential, right? And so again, it was like, okay, well, that's just what it looked like. Now I really have to go to work.
0: Welcome to the Not Almost There podcast. It is great to be with you today. I'm your host, Joe Chura, and today I'm going to introduce you to someone who is the epitome of what Not Almost There is all about. In fact, you just met her, Heather Perillo. She's a SEAL fit, unbeatable mind coach, and the 20th woman in history to complete the Crucible Kokoro. For those of you who don't know what that is, Kokoro is regarded as the hardest 50-hour civilian training in the world, which emulates Hell Week for the Navy SEALs. This would be a hard feat for the trained, fit individual here enough for years to do this event but Heather started it when she couldn't even do one pull-up yet she's somehow signed up. We get into why she went from couch to arguably one of the toughest events on the planet and the why in this story is just as important as the how. Heather's journey, though, didn't just start with Kokoro. It was incremental change. She was in a corporate job, leading others, making a huge impact, motivating, and pushing each colleague to invest in themselves and reach their goals. What she realized, though, is she wasn't putting the same focus on herself as she was on everyone else. And I know, I know that we can all relate to this. There are a lot of surprises in this one, but I think what you will find are nuggets of mental tips to just say yes to take that first step and not let your past get in the way of your future. Let me repeat that. To take that first step and not let the past get in the way of your future. Now, before we get into it, I want to thank you for being part of the Anonymous There community. I would love it if you could like and share this episode and subscribe to the Anonymous There podcast on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, wherever it is that you're listening to this. All right, enough of me already. Put on your shoes and jacket, head outside and listen to Heather's remarkable story. Welcome, Heather, to the Not Almost There podcast. It is so great to have you here today, and I can't wait to get into your story and everything that that you've done.
1: So great to be here, Joe. Thank you for having me.
0: So I I got to know you, Heather, um, through... Unbeatable Mind and the SEAL Fit community. And this was about a year and a half ago. And what I noticed immediately is this strong presence that you had in the the group we were with. And you could just tell that you were were pushing yourself hard. Uh, We were doing some physical training. We were doing some mental training. And we'll set all that up to explain what that was we were even doing then. Since that time period, you've you've done a lot of things in your life. One of those being Kokoro, which I want to actually start the podcast with that. So let's let's start off the conversation by talking about what Kokoro is, because the fact that you accomplish it is just incredibly impressive. And also I want to get into your first attempt at it, because I know it took you two, two attempts and what you've learned from that first one, but let's define what Kokoro is, um, what it involved and, uh, and go from there. Yeah.
1: So Kokoro is supposedly the most challenging mentally, physically, and emotionally training available to humankind around the world based off of, uh, Navy SEAL Hell Week. And, um, (laughs) <laughs> when I decided to do Kakora, I was 46 years old, and I was completely just out of shape because I had lost myself in the process of achieving everything I wanted to achieve. And I knew the extremes in which I operate in and thought, if anything is going to get me where I want to be, I'm going to have to challenge myself to such an extreme that I have to dig deeper emotionally, mentally, and spiritually to get there physically. And at that point, when I decided to do Kokoro, I knew there was only 19 women that had ever secured the event in history in over 13 years. And yet somehow I thought (laughs) in my shape, never doing a push-up, never running a mile, like nothing. Like I just knew. So I registered, and the rest is history.
0: Let's let's talk about what Kokoro is in more detail. So it is how long? So
1: it says fifty hours. It's usually between fifty-two and fifty-four hours long. It starts on a Friday morning over in California at Vale Lake, and it goes through the night, full you know, for the full 50 hours. And what you're doing is evolution after evolution after evolution. So you're doing log PT, you're doing surf torture, you're rucking, you're, you're doing relay ma- races, you're you're on the grinder. So anything that you can imagine that they do in the SEAL training, minus the boats and whatnot, as close as possible in that environment, they're simulating.
0: And during this 52 to 54 hours, there's no sleep, sleep. right? You're, you're awake during this whole thing. Um, is there a time when you get a break at all to do anything? You
1: get to eat for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So they definitely take care of you. I mean, they, they can't push you to the point where they're hurting you. Um, and so you are properly hydrated. You are properly fed, um, when you need to use the mountain. You're more than welcome to use the mountain or whatever to, uh, to take care of business. Um, but as far as rest, no, you, you better learn how to do the proper breathing techniques in between every evolution to rest yourself, but yeah, no sleep.
0: So how did the, uh, like, what was the first evolution like? How was the first day?
1: So the first evolution, uh, each evolution I say is about one to two hours. And that's magic, because if you know that, then all you're doing is, okay, one more evolution, you know, one more minute within the evolution. So that first evolution, when you get picked up from the parking lot, is um, a one to three mile run to the grinder. And the grinder is just what it sounds like. It's a whole bunch of dirt, fire ants. Um, there's a pull-up rig, um, and there's coaches, and there's water hoses, so it is just dirt and water, a whole lot of metal, and um, bodies going through what you would consider your basic PT. So you're doing push-ups, you're doing pull-ups, you're doing flutter kicks, you're going through ice baths, you're, you're bear crawling, you're low crawling, all, all of the military PT. For about Got two to three hours in that first breakout session.
0: Wow, and they're spraying you with hoses and screaming Mm -hmm. and there's sirens going on and smoke. I'm sure they're emulating all that. Um, And then how many people... Were in Kokoro with you. How many people started it? Yeah,
1: so the first one that I did was in March, and that one was pretty small because it was still like COVID's going on, and so there's a lot of people who keep deferring their registration. Uh, not me. <laughs> I just <laughs> go. So there were 16 of us that started uh, that Kokoro Camp 56 in March. Um, it was the coldest Kokoro ever, and. So, so I learned a lot of valuable lessons about my limitations. I'll say more mentally than physically, because I believe I was physically prepared. But 16 started.
0: Got it. Um, and then the second one, how many started? The second
1: one, we started with 28, and then we ended with 16.
0: Okay. Oh, got it. Okay. So, so um, what were the main differences between the first one and second one? Um, was it just a lot more cold the first one was that uh, it was
1: cold it was it was beyond cold so it was in the low 40s with wind and no sun so you were in the ice bath. you're soaking wet the entire time um during the evening evolution when you're climbing mount palomar it was in the 20s and 30s um and then that next morning or you're like yes i made it i'm here i'm getting through pt And then the ice bath started again, and there was something about that cold that physically my body stopped. Like, it just all cramped. My face was cramped up. My legs cramped up. Thought maybe I was having a stroke. Couldn't get the tension to release. Um, Finally got it to the point where I managed it, where they got me a little bit warm. But as soon as I went back in the cold, it happened again. And if you can't walk, you certainly can't carry a 300-pound log. And so... I knew it was my time.
0: gotcha. And, and how long were you? Uh, were you in the first one? Before, yeah, 26, before you hours, on?
1: 26 hours, 26 hours in before.
0: That's that's incredible. And did they did they pull you or did you just say, I'm, I'm done?
1: I have to say I quit. I, I quit. Yeah, because I actually didn't have hypothermia. I was having physical symptoms that uh, made it impossible for me to go but I still believe that there was probably something I could have done in here to shift that. But at that point I wasn't prepared for that. I didn't have my swim buddy to say, you're not quitting. And so it was my time. Yeah. And you know, well, it was like, I'm so happy it happened the way it happened because what transpired between March to July, like, yeah, I wouldn't trade that. Well, yeah, hold,
0: hold off there. Cause I want to dive, dive into that for sure. But I'd say that even just that comment you made is is so you and so strong and like such a good nugget for people to take away here that that you even despite the weather conditions being below freezing, (laughs) you're saying, uh, yeah, I had symptoms of hypothermia, but I still quit where where most folks would hear that. I know I know. I have to say, like, I don't know how I would have reacted there or what, what I would have said to that, but it's unbelievable the mental fortitude that you have to, have even, to even state that.
1: <laughs> well, you know what's so interesting is that it, it took me a while to say that, and when I said that, it was so freeing. Because, you know, I said, no, other people made it. So there is a way. If I actually own the fact that there is more work to do, whether whether it's physically, mentally, spiritually, whatever it is, then I had the the capacity to do more. Otherwise, I would have just been a victim of the circumstances. And that's just not how I live my life. So, yeah, I was like, once I really was able to say, Heather, you quit. It wasn't that your body failed you. You quit. Quit. Then I was like, "Okay, I need to go to work," and that's all I did.
0: Yeah. And how were you able to say that to yourself? Like, was there a moment where you talked to someone else and they asked you a question that you introspectively thought of, or what happened?
1: I want to say, you know, until I said that, there it it felt like I was out of integrity with the world. Yeah. It it just it didn't feel right. It didn't matter if my body stopped. It didn't matter if it was cold. I quit.
0: Well, I was, I was following you on social and knowing you were gearing up for that, and I've never seen someone more prepared for something than you were. And when I heard that you didn't make it, which you, you stated first, I think it was you and Brian at the same time, my friend Brian, who's been on this podcast, uh, uh, railed um, a, f- a few months back. I was shocked because you two were just like the strongest physically and mentally (laughs) mentally strong. And I'm like, man, if they didn't do it, like who accomplished this thing? So I, I know it took a lot for you to, to, to give up, especially because of how much work that you put into it, um, which was incredible to watch. So, so let's uh, let's rewind back a a little bit. And then we're going to go back even, even deeper soon. But In order to prepare for something like this, because I met you, I don't know, two years ago maybe, a year and a half, uh, we were at an event called uh, Unbeatable Mind together, and Unbeatable Mind had some physical elements to it, but nothing like this. So what made you actually say, like, here's what I want to do. I want to do this, and then how did you take yourself from saying yes to actually training the way you did.
1: Yeah. You say yes. And then you're like, ah, I have no idea. (laughs) So again, like nothing happens by accident. So I said yes. And then um, something called um, COVID happens and there's no gyms or anything. And so all I knew knew to do was like to start running, so I ran, and I ran, um, and push-ups, and you know, just again, like, how am I ever gonna do this? I can't even make it around the block. How am I ever gonna do this? I can't even do sit-ups. Until the point the gyms reopened, and what do you know, there was someone there who kinda looked like he might be military, because I didn't know anything about Unbeatable Mind. I didn't know anything really about SEAL Fit. I didn't know if there was a training program. I just thought I could do this on my own or find someone. And I walked up to this guy once I got the courage after seeing him three times in the early morning when I trained, I said, I signed up for this thing and I don't know how to do the training and you kind of look like you're military. Would you be interested or do you know someone who might be interested? And um, he said, what's the information? Can you send it to me anyway? So I did, the next day he came back and he said, how long do we have? And I said, seven months (laughs) and he said, we can do it. Um, turned out that he was actually Special Ops Delta stationed here over in Florida, and he took me under his wing and basically put me through simulated boot camps every single weekend. Um, but that only lasted for two months because he had to uh, go off on assignment and he could no longer train with me. Like That's a whole other story in and of itself.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating fascinating
1: that he just said yes to this random woman and this random fat woman just walked up to him in the gym and and yet he said yes. And I go to him all the time and say, do you, I hope you realize that because you said yes to me, I now get to use this story as a way to impact the lives of others. And while you provide freedom for us and so you already make a difference in this world, that ripple effect. Um, And he never took a cent never took a cent from me because his only purpose in life is service. And he said, there are a million people who watch those videos or read the book, Can't Hurt Me, which I did by David Goggins, and they think about doing it, but they never do it. When you asked me to train you for something like this, all I asked was, you don't quit, and you would refuse to quit no matter what you're... And I was like, yeah, that's it. So then, you want to talk about like levels of accountability. Do you think... That after someone gave their time, their energy to me for no reason other than to be of service that I could ever quit? Like, no way. It wasn't who I was, but that was like even a greater accountability. But once he left, I was like, now what? I, I mean, I was only two or three months into training. I still can do a pull-up. And then all of a sudden in my uh, email, I saw this uh, uh, I thought it was spam from this company called Unbeatable Mind talking about tip of the spear. I thought, oh, there's some core. Oh, that will be my training, and I thought that I was going to get the physical training necessary to be able to secure Kokoro through this program. I was wrong. What I got was so much more. But that's how I was able to got create it. the structure.
0: I was going to say, because when I saw you, you were pretty fit. So it was, it was before, it was like several months before I saw you that you started training for this. You just signed up for yes. it. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. So wow. i had been training Sweet. six months before meeting you.
0: So it's it sounds like that accountability, uh, meeting the gentleman that was in the Delta Force was a huge kind of game changer for you to to just keep thinking like, I can't quit. This guy took time for me. And now he's out, who knows where, protecting the, the country. Um, do you feel like um, the next thing that you, you do or you go after, you're going to want to find someone or declare it or get help to find that same sense of accountability?
1: Yes, 100%. I mean, and that's really what I found through this training program um, with people like Brian is we're not meant to do this alone. We're just not. Um, And when you surround yourself with others who are not only like-minded and really excellence, but you couple that with excellence for a purpose, like, there's no way you're gonna let each other down. And there's no way to always be up. We always have our dips. And so when you're not seeing it in you, they see it in you. And so there's that constant reminder of who you are, what you're committed to. And when you need the support and accountability, they're right there, always ready to support you, right? Just because they know of what's possible when you, I, I hate using the word achieve. What I like to say is when you're fully manifested in this world. They know what's possible for yeah. the rest of the world, and so they won't let you stop. So it's a different accountability. It's not did you do it, did you not do it. It's so much more.
0: Let's let's unpack uh, a few things because you you mentioned and alluded to like you couldn't do like a pull up, you couldn't do push ups like six months or seven months before seeing me, and then I saw you and I was like, wow, you're pretty you're pretty fit. So like like really level set with us what could or couldn't you do when you first started this and why did you start with something so big like the toughest events on the planet
1: because i knew that there could be no compromise like there was there was no like oh that's good enough i either had to go all in or not at all like you could you couldn't fake this in any way shape or form you just couldn't and so I literally I could not do a push-up, like barely um, pull-ups. When I saw you, I still couldn't do a pull-up. Like I couldn't, um, and I knew I had to get to six. Um, running, <laughs> like I just, it just was. I wasn't a runner, and I just realized, okay, so if who you are going to be is a Navy SEAL, you better better get that you are a runner. What do runners do? Okay, this, you know, how do they train? And so it was just every single day, relentless, being okay with the very little improvement, knowing that over a period of time, the time was going to pass. So I could either look back and say, you did it, mama, or you didn't. And the only person I could look at was myself.
0: And how old were you when you signed up for this? Forty-six. You're 46 20, 40, years 40, 40, old, and you're a mom, and you're a mom, and you have how many I children? I have
1: two children. So my son now is 20, and my daughter is 17. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. What did they think about you signing up for this?
1: So, um, I had to just tell them I was going to be okay <laughs> because they're used to mom doing these type of things. I'm always like, okay, yeah. I'm going to Saudi Arabia. you like, I'm always just taking these huge leaps. Yeah. Nobody can understand why I'm doing what I'm doing, but I know. Yeah. And so this was the next thing. And so they just said, okay. And it's it's interesting that you bring that up. Because um, in order to do something like this, you really need the support of those people who are closest to you because they see you go through a lot of pain. You know, what we do is simple training five hours a day. Um, It's not easy. And they saw me in a lot of pain a lot of times, but I would just have those open conversations with them so they understood why. And when I would ask them, do you know why I continue to do this, even though you see me complaining a lot because mm-hmm. you're trying to make a difference. And it's all like, okay, mm-hmm. here we go.
0: Yeah. No, that that makes sense. So you're training for this for seven months. You, you get to the first Kakora. Was it what you expected aside from the, the cold?
1: Yeah, it was. Cause I mean, I felt, I mean, I was, I felt ready. Um, but I didn't know what I didn't know, right? right. You, we, we talk about, we train so that when we're put to the test, the training unfolds. Well, you don't know if your training is good enough <laughs> until you're put to the test and you're like, oh, wait, you yeah. know, okay, this is what it looks like. So um, I want to say in that first CACOR was more thinking about what I needed to do rather than just going. Just doing Yeah, it. yeah. yeah.
0: Well I mean it's, it's amazing the 26 hours that that you you spent, and I mean that's half of it, right? I mean, almost exactly half. Um, and then from that point, uh, as I alluded to, I watched this kind of unfold almost live, like you you had uh, had using your words, you quit. I wouldn't call it quit, but you you stopped. And then you immediately kind of declared, like, uh, or you explained kind of what happened, and then like the next day you're you're like, I just signed up for the next one. So what what in your minds like like was there any doubt in your mind after you quit the first one that you weren't going to do the second one?
1: No, no. I I immediately as you're sitting and signing the paperwork um, for your voluntary drop. Um, I looked at my coach again and said, I know you have given more to me than you probably have to anyone who was training to be in this crucible. And I said, I'm coming back. And this time I'm gonna come back and I'm going to just pass every standard and I'm gonna make you proud. Um, And so I knew, went back to the hotel and immediately booked the plane ticket that night. I mean, it was within a few hours. And on the drive back, someone asked me, do you wish that you had shot for something smaller, a 12-hour, and I'm like, no, because I wouldn't have known how far I could go unless I shot for like the biggest, most audacious goal. Okay, well, 26 hours. At least I know what the gap is, right? And so I'm yeah. not into playing it safe or comfortable because then you don't really tap into your true potential, right? And so again, it was like, okay, well, that's just what it looked like. Now I really have to go to work.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the, all right. So so now you're um, you're getting ready to train for the second Kokoro, your second attempt at it. What is different? about you at that point. Obviously, you you have now the knowledge of what to expect. What else was different, and how did you train differently for the second time? Yeah,
1: so I knew that it was never really about the event, and this is really important, that whatever I was doing could absolutely be correlated to every aspect of life. And everything we do in the physical realm, right, our training, is it really does correlate and then transcend into every aspect of our life. And so I turned it into, like, It wasn't about the event. And how many of us are really shooting for some big goals when it comes to business, when it comes to our relationships? Do you really expect it to go right the first time? Like how could I even have thought that it was gonna go right the first time? And so then I turned the whole context into, this is about resiliency. This is what it actually looks like to not succeed, like to fail. And say, yeah. okay, what is there to learn? And so I just took on this context of, I'm going to show others that you don't stop. You actually go harder. You actually find the reason why might actually be different. And so when my why shifted before, it was like, make a difference, you know, show others what's possible. You know, it's, it's available in everyone. It was about, wow, no, this is a full expression of who I am in the world. How can others use this journey to find theirs too? And so my training became, physically I knew I was ready. There was more to do physically. So I trained harder physically, but it was more about the mental. How do I have pain? and find a way to move it through my body? How do I detach from pain? How do I use visualizations to really pull me through the eight hour silent rock when it hurts? How do I I just shift really from detachment from this physical being and allow the training to make the body just go? And that was the beauty is like, wow, what I realized is that we may think that this physical form is limited until you really get that your mind, your heart, and your spirit are limitless. And when you can use that to push through, you keep pushing through. And so it was like, wow, we are so powerful. And um, I was also committed that I knew it wasn't about the event. It was about the journey I never forgot every single moment that I got to train every single day that I was going to be the only woman to ever go twice, right? <laughs> um, and so I was like, I found so much joy in just like, oh, like who else gets to say they play with logs? Who else gets to play that, say that they play in the dirt? I do, right? And I'm doing mm-hmm. it with people I love. And what if, Just this story and me doing this can make an impact for others. Like, okay. So I just fully embraced it as this was just the journey that I was going to use, no matter what it looked like, to make a difference. And so it became really fun.
0: Yeah, it's it's incredible. When you're going through this, though, how do you balance this positive attitude, which you clearly had before and now, with like just getting the shit kicked out of you during an event, so like, are you smiling the whole time, Are you just like bringing on guys, or is it is it you're miserable, but then you gotta remind yourself, hey, I'm in this, and then you start smiling, like 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 walk us oh, through that. Oh gosh,
1: I, so I can't tell you how many times the coaches were like, "Do you ever stop smiling?" <laughs> no, <laughs> no, um, because I. God, a couple things. No matter what was being thrown at us was for our growth and development. I knew that, right? So no matter what you said to me, whatever we were doing, I knew it was for me to push me to a place to see, do I cave or do I not cave, right? And so it was like, mm-hmm. bring it, bring it. Um, and then also, it was the fact that I could. Like, I, I could do it, and I could do it better than most, Um so it was just, there was so much appreciation for the fact that I was there again, that I was able to do it, that I was able to be present just to how cool <laughs> it was to be able to play for three days. And I'll never forget that last log PT where others are just, their faces are, you know, cussing, screaming, negative. And I'm just like, I was crying because I, with a smile on my face thinking, this might be the last time I ever hold this log. Like, like yeah. and I'm, you know, 47 years old and I did it. I did it. Like, how cool. And so if I can do this, yeah. right, you just realize, okay, if I can do this, how does that translate into what I can actually create in this world? Yeah, it's so no, it's, fun, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, I know it. It, it totally is. So when, you're, when you secured it and you, you finally were, were, had completed this that you worked now, at this point, years for, um, what was that feeling like aside from gratitude and uh, excitement? What else did you feel?
1: Um, so you might be able to really relate to this. Um, very few can. It was just, I'm home. Of course. Yeah. Of course you did, yeah. right? Um, I'm smiling now because I, I haven't lost that experience. Oh, this is what it feels like to have nothing internal or external stop you from manifesting who you are in this world, no matter what it looks like. Right? And so it was like, wow, okay. And I've said, you know, so many times, like, not in my wildest dreams. And I'm like, no, actually, I've always dreamed this big, you know, or, you know, who would have thought? Well, I've always known. And again, I I go back to that book, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, because I read that and I just said, that's me. And how many people actually read that? Some do and say, that's in me, too. Okay, now, how do I unleash it?
0: Let's uh, let's dive in there because I wanted to ask about that next and really what inspired you cuz you've had a lot of transi- transitions <laughs> in your life and you went through a lot before you before that book came out cuz I too read that book it was very profound for me to read it as well at that time in my life which was like 2019 I think I want or the very beginning of 2019 is when I read it and my wife read it with me as well and we both we're fascinated by the story of David Goggins and and the before and after and his alter ego that he created and just everything that went along with it. And in that year I was fortunate enough to be able to get him to speak at refuel. I had him, I I don't know if I told you this, but I had him actually um, host a run at my house. So we, we ran with him and it was, he shows up at my house and it's like 15 degrees out Chicago weather. He's in shorts and like a long sleeve shirt and a beanie. And he's like, He's like, let's go, come on. <laughs> and, uh, and his his assistant who was planning the the route was like, yeah, He I was, thought he was going to do like a 5K to make it as inclusive as possible. And they're like – and she was like, yeah, he won't do anything like less than five miles. So plan like five miles. So we did that and a bunch of uh, PT along the way, which he just seemed like this human robot. But it was um, – I mean if, like talk about meeting someone and getting a feeling for them. Like when I met him – I actually led the run with him, and I'm looking at him. This is kind of embarrassing to, to, to say. I always run with, like, like headphones on. Actually, I I don't do it as much, but back then I did because it helped me get through what I was doing. And now I, now I actually like – I prefer him off. But nonetheless, back then I was running with headphones. I didn't know where I was going to be in comparison to him in this run, but since we were leading it together, I'm looking at him like we're running next to one another – Obviously, he could have ran much faster. He was being nice, and I, I'm have these headphones on, and I'm. He's not talking. He's just like so focused, and we're. I'm listening to this playlist on Spotify with him dubbed over this like rap remix. As I'm looking at him, it was the most surreal, surreal thing ever. But I guess that's my long winded way of saying he is. His story is truly inspirational. And when I when I heard um, from you that that lit a spark um, I want to dive in more to that story and what really stuck out to you and how that was different from the stuff you've already went through in your life because again you've you've been through a ton
1: yeah you know it's so interesting because um, the teacher always finds the student when they're ready the books always are opened when you know they're supposed to be just perfect and what it told me uh, number one is like I just knew the potential was there I knew it was there and what really rang true for me is, it's never too late. It's never too late. Who cares how old you are, right? He was older yeah. when he went through three times. You, no matter what you're up against, it's possible. Just do it. Um, and I, again, I, you know that my call name with uh, my team is Taker. Like, how does that happen? Like, how does someone like me, who in October of 2019 read that book and couldn't be further from that, two years later be known as Taker? So to think that in 2019, you know, I am just at my wits end, running this company, physically just sacrificed everything. Um, and I read that and I, and then a year and a half later, two years later, my call name with this team is Taker. And, uh, for me, that was like the ultimate manifestation. Like whatever you see, when you believe it to be true, like you can actually become it. Like, that's like the coolest thing in the world when you realize that. So if I could become like, name you seal Taker, um, I can do anything. I can do anything. Yeah. So the one thing I would say about uh, Goggins versus me is I want to be the taker with love. (laughs) So (laughs) while I cuss when necessary, um, I I definitely want to share more positivity and love and encouragement along with the story. And here's another thing, too, just real quick, when it comes to uh, doing things physically I really believe like the reason I chose this event too, is I thought that at the other side, I would be better off physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally versus just doing, you know, a bodybuilding competition, right? Like it wasn't about just having a certain body and doing whatever was necessary. No, I I really wanted to be better off holistically having done this training and event. So.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Um, And for, I'm, almost positive that everyone who listens to my podcast knows David Goggins and some of his story. But for those who don't, uh, David Goggins wrote a book, self-published, 2018-ish, I think, uh, called Can't Hurt Me, became one of the number one bestsellers. I got it for so many people as a gift. I think at some point you couldn't even find it on Amazon. And it's a story of uh, a guy that was in a shitty job and was – turned his life around by, by getting inspired to become a Navy SEAL and had to lose like, how much pounds, weight was it? 100 like a hundred pounds in like three months to even qualify, to be able to, to get into, to buds and to, um, to try and get through it. And, he, it took him a couple attempts and he finally did it and changed his whole life around. I mean it was it's an incredible story and he goes through so much adversity in his life and and it's very well written and I highly recommend if you haven't uh, read it, get the audiobook because the audiobook has some really cool nuggets where he's actually doing podcast style interviews um, after every chapter and then commenting on them. So it's it's one of those that it needs to be on. Your required reading list. If you're a fan of this podcast, for sure. One hundred percent. Yeah. So, so I guess going back even before that, you 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 kind of said in passing that you were running this this company. So, like, what what? What made you, and I guess, like, how did you have time for this if you're running a company? What company were you running? Yeah,
1: so I was running a business here in Florida on 30A. We were a full concierge equipment uh, rental company. We service 2,500 homes. Um, And I kind of stumbled into that, too. So I am someone who always puts what I coach and train and consult into practice. Always. Like, I do the work first and then. I go out and lead. And I had been doing leadership development across the world for five years. Um, In the previous position in Texas, I was a chief people officer, teaching leadership development, people development, things like that. Anyway, so I had moved to Florida to actually just start consulting um, so that I could be present for my children during their high school years. And my first consulting gig um, to transform the culture of a company was with this company And within the first week he said, I think I need you to run the company. And I thought, Yes, (laughs) you're right. It was just like I just said yes. And then what what occurred to me was like, okay, you've been the one who's the soft skills and your coaching and your training. And what's the one thing they say in the boardroom? You don't actually know how to run a business. So it was my opportunity, my sandbox to not only run the business, but use everything I knew to transform the culture to actually put it into practice. And sure enough, so I took this failing business and within two years got to a point where uh, where he was selling it. And that happened in February of 2020. So for the first time in my life, I, um, I had the permission from myself to stop and really do what was required for me to put all of my... Uh, preaching into practice and really focus on me. So I said, for a year, you are doing nothing but taking care of yourself and healing from the inside out. That's when I registered for Kokoro.
0: Got it. Yeah. So that ties it
1: all together. And so now, yeah, now it was my turn to go, okay, integrated leadership development. What does it look like to be integrated? in self-mastery so that I can actually be my best so that I can serve. And so, and that's where we're at right now. So, okay, I, I got what it looks like and feels like to actually give yourself permission to take care of yourself as a leader, as a mother, whatever, so you don't get lost, right? You see what's possible, It's like, wow. Okay, so now how do I maintain that same level of self-mastery while also doing the work, whatever the work is? Like, don't know what that looks like, right? But how do you maintain all of it, keeping it in balance? It's just this beautiful flow every single day. Um, So that's the next phase of this journey, maintaining who I am, taking care of myself, and also serving.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're truly incredible. And and not to downplay other coaches out there because there's wonderful coaches, but a lot of what we see on the internet today are, are people that talk a lot and maybe not do as much. Right. Um, and there's, there's counterexamples to that, of course, but you are someone that, um, n- you know, not only do you, do you talk about it, but you, you do it. And I, Respect you wholeheartedly for that because it's just it's incredible to watch this. And my next kind of question is along the mental side. So I know you started with the physical, and obviously the the Goggins book is very is very much about physical. If you know and you follow David Goggins, it's pretty much all physical. Um, But when you started getting into mental training through Unbeatable Mind and and other things you were doing, like what what's something that surprised you? when you started to practice that, and what kind of tips, I guess, you have for other people that that are looking uh, to get into something like yeah,
1: that? Yeah, so when you start physically training, um, you realize that you would never, ever want anyone to hear what actually goes on in your head. And I realized, like, wow, like, Heather Marie, <laughs> you are someone who coaches, oh mindset, but when you put it to the test, look what you're saying, look what you're thinking, that has to shift. And initially as I start these practices of the positive self-talk or the mantras, I'm like, this is lame, (laughs) like really? This is gonna shift anything? Um, And then you realize, oh my goodness, like it does. So when you're that aware, and you're forced to be aware, you are in the training five to six hours a day, and it hurts, you are constantly aware of what's going through your head and what you need to do to stop that nonsense, because it doesn't serve you. I'm like, It doesn't serve me, it doesn't It doesn't work. Um, and so looking back now, I giggle, because I remember that woman and the things she used to say in the conversations before training, the conversations during training, and then what happened, Joe, is that each time I completed training, I had the experience of what it felt like to do it. And that was more powerful than all the negative conversations. So that experience, I'll say, of winning every single evolution during my day, because that's all we have every single day. We just have all these evolutions. When you start experiencing what it's like to do the work despite the fear, to do the work despite the uncomfortable, to do the work despite the pain, then it's like, Maybe that's all just a story, too. So that work of shifting the context of everything to an experience you want to have of yourself when you complete the work, an experience you want to provide for others, something shifts. Then it becomes more of a natural expression of who you are. And then I just get to train to see what arises, to see what additional learning and development that I get. And again, like I shared with you, um, being able to be with pain and realize... I too can shift that. Like there's one thing, I'll share this, which for me was like, wow. So stretching, like there's, there's so much resistance there, right? I always say, like, oh.
0: I'm with you. You know, it's yeah. like
1: the one thing, ah, it hurts, right? But yeah. on the other side of resistance is performance, right? Okay, so you get through, okay, do whatever mobility training I need, get through the resistance for performance. And as I'm stretching one day, coach says, you know, if you were under anesthesia, your body would just collapse. And I was like, so it's only this waking conscious mind that tells me, oh, that's just, that's not comfortable. Stop. What else am I telling myself I can't do physically? And so that too has been huge. So this mind, we know it's so powerful in either a very positive way or a really negative way. But learning how to manipulate your physiology through your mind, it's incredible.
0: And what kind of mental training helped you the most? Like, like walk us through a day outside of the physical training, which we know was in abundance especially during this time period like what were you doing mentally yeah
1: so um obviously in the beginning it just started with something called box breathing i'd never done any breathing i was surprised that i didn't know how to breathe like oh you're not supposed to breathe through your mouth so just basic elementary like what is oh wow
0: yeah why don't you explain box breathing quick so box breathing
1: is um, a four-part breath work where you inhale for a certain amount of counts let's say breathe in for five hold for five breathe out for five and hold for five and the whole point of that is you immediately signal your body to go from the stress state the sympathetic into the parasympathetic parasympathetic state so it's just that calming and it also allows you once you get skilled at it to go from beta high activity down into the alpha ways to go from the conscious alert thinking rational mind to the subconscious but that takes practice and that takes time Um, but just initially control your physiology then being able to get to a point where you use that breath work to get really focused and then you use that breath work to really open and expand what's possible because you're then actually looking as a witness to your thoughts. And that's it, right? Just that heightened awareness. Um, breath work progressed so much. So I don't run. I breathe. I don't do pull-ups. I breathe. I don't do push-ups. I breathe. Every single movement throughout the day is a different breath pattern. So again, when you realize how powerful your breath is, you own your life. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, there are, I could spend a whole hour just talking about breath work and how powerful it is. And again, like you said, like nothing I do is like, oh, this is what it sounds like. No, 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 like I have to embody it. I had to learn how to use this because I would have never been capable to get through Kokoro, but now it's just life. So daily now the practices never stop. Um, I'm really into Joe Dispenza, and so that type of you mm-hmm. know visualization, so energy matching and in with the energy in my heart and soul, right consistent with the energy I'm putting out um, very, very into at least an hour of breath work in the morning, whether it's box breathing, then into some sort of meditation. I have all of the journaling practices, right? And then proper fueling of this body so that it is in sync. And I'm not putting anything and I always say like, I don't want anything to block any energy coming in or going out. So just that beautiful flow and synchronicity of the mind, body and spirit.
0: So, so dive in a little bit more on the you don't do push-ups or pull-ups. You breathe. Like, how, how do you? How does someone listening to this go from starting box breathing, which I recommend as well? And if there's one thing documented in terms of what the Navy SEALs do to practice, is box breathing. Like, they're undoubtedly, indisputably, that's what they do. To um, that's one of the techniques they use to to calm themselves down under stress. And Navy SEALs that I've met and. My life. I'm sure you have the same experience. The one thing that I see is like they're just level people. They don't they don't get excited. They're just level, and I think it's because this this conscious breath work over time that's really helped them. But unpack that a bit in terms of like what does that mean when you say I just breathe? I don't do pull ups. Yeah.
1: Um, So as I progress, so running is is the. Great. And you brought it up too. When I first was running, I was running and it sucked. And sort to distract me from the running, I was always listening to music or a podcast or something. Mm-hmm. And um, during the initial training, if you have earbuds in, get them out. I was like, oh, like, really? And then you, you start to connect with your breath. And then you start to connect with mantras And then you just get into this flow where it's beautiful, where there is no running. There's no time. You're just meditating, right? And I always run in the middle of the night around, you know, 4 a.m. So it's just me and the stars (laughs) and nature. And so I'm just, I, you know, initially it's like, oh, it hurts. And then you get into the right breath cadence and then your body just goes. It knows what to do. When it came to push-ups are great. I know when I breathe in, I know what I need to push out. And so it's an inhale and exhale for, for push-ups. Every single movement. Once I learned how to use my breath as the power and the fuel, then I just needed to know how to control my breath. And again, you're talking a year long of figuring this out, uh, but power. And so, uh, through Kokoro, um, a great example is you hike uphill uh, for four hours um, at a 9.5% incline or gradient, um, and you've got to ruck on. So there's pain. But if all you're doing is breathing 10 after 10 after 10, incorporating with some beautiful visualization of the night sky or a family member, you're not rucking. You're just you're just doing what you do, right? And so it's incredible. And again, it has nothing to do with rucking. It has nothing to do with running or push-ups. But in life, when we're really going through challenging situations, you use the same thing. Breathe through it right? Like, what energy can I create here to to give to you so you experience love or compassion or whatever it is you need, right? So, it's using that to the extreme so that during every single day, no matter what you're dealing with, you've got this.
0: Yeah, no, that's so well said, and I love that. And it, just like I talked about a few minutes ago, the taking out the earbuds actually made the runs much more enjoyable versus like before I was like, Oh, I get to run to listen to this podcast or to listen to this audiobook, And then what happened was I'd, I'd find myself, you know, 40 minutes into it feeling like it took forever for, you know, whatever reason Then I took my ear, my earbuds off and I would just focus on what was around me. And it seemed to fly by. It was just like much more, you can get much more in a flow state with that, so it seems counterintuitive, but I would highly recommend people try. Yeah, it.
1: so you have to be really comfortable with being with you, um, yeah. right? And so you're you can't wait to spend that time with you. And then it's also you get to dream the day a lot of times. You know, every if you have an assignment that you're trying to complete or whatever, right? The book you're trying to write, whatever. I mean, it's like that's when it all comes. So it's like yeah, it's very special sacred time.
0: So so you said something pretty powerful. Earlier, about chunking goals and looking at uh, the evolutions and not the whole thing in front of you. And when I recently completed the Spartan race, uh, that was 31 miles, it was really tough for me. Um, That's how I looked at it too. As I was like, this isn't, I, you can't look at things that big and say, oh, all right, well, I'm just going to do this 31 miles because you drive yourself crazy. I was like, I, I'm just going to do a mile at a time and just keep moving forward, forward progress. And I think whether you're whether you're we we're talking a lot about the physical fitness side but when I created my businesses it was the same thing it's like it just things take a long time and as long as you're moving forward in a direction like and that's what I tell my team all the time it's like go in a direction and every direction you're gonna go and may not be toward the goal but at least you're moving and figuring things out
1: that's it that's all there is to do and yeah life can be overwhelming absolutely and so all there is to do is i know i've got one more breath and another one and another one i know i've got 10 more uh, you, whatever it is you know you always have one more and then it becomes a game and every you know the day's going to pass you know the weeks going to pass you know the years going to pass do you want to look back and say i did it or not yeah. it's just a choice yeah
0: yeah and and that's another thing that i've realized lately it's like if not now when you know, like, if you're not going to do it and make a commitment, when when are you going to do that? So I think, I you know, it's not too often when I talk to someone and I already figure out the, the name of the podcast, but it's like, for you, it's like, say yes. Like, you just say yes, and then you figure it out from there. Now you're committed. Yes. And now all of a sudden, you meet someone who's in the Delta Force, which it's so rare to meet someone in the Delta Force in itself.
1: It is about saying yes, and I love that is creating your future. Like, that is how you do it. You say yes, and then you live into this possibility. And then what's also so important, too, is um, any of us can achieve anything we want. We can, right? But right now, do you love your life, right? Because it's not about there. It's about right now, every every single day, like loving who you are. Right. There's nothing to fix. There's nothing to improve. There's just the unfolding of who you are, and enjoying the process every single minute. Because if you're not, then you're missing the whole point of this life.
0: Yeah, that's beautifully said. So, so you know, one of the things I struggle with as well, and I hate to bring this up even because it's a little bit of a negative sentiment that happens in my mind. I'm wondering if you can help me with that. Like once you accomplish something so big as Coro or that Spartan Ultra run, you kind of like, for me, I get in this little funk and I'm like, oh man, that thing's over with that. I just trained like a year for or seven months for, and you, you feel a little bit lost. So do you just say yes to the next thing or like, how do you go about, um, you know, taking that next step to, to kind of keep that momentum.
1: Yeah. So that's so great because I experienced that too. Each time you're like, okay,
0: <sighs> now what? Now what?
1: <laughs> and especially, so this is, I wish someone had told me this before I did Kokoro, is that whenever you operate on the extremes, which you probably do like me, there's got to be this like, whoosh, switch back. So for two years, I was really just in that performance, performance and out there doing. And now I'm in this whoo right back to the inner, and I'm have to be okay with just listening. So okay, now that that has unfolded in my life, what has changed about my purpose, my passions? Like where am I? And I have to just listen, which is really, really uncomfortable. So I've gone to the to the extreme of just being in here and here and in here, right, and just listening. Yeah. And I absolutely believe, like I'm so clear of the experience I want to have in life that it will unfold. And I have to not be tied to how it looks because had I been, I wouldn't be right here. I just wouldn't. And so I'm beautiful that I have the experience of that, that I can say I can trust not knowing. It is not a comfortable place to be. And yes, I say yes to everything, I do.
0: Yeah, that's that's uh, great insights and and I can, I can attest to that. So when uh, when I tried to sit down and write my purpose and my personal mission statement and figure out my why, I would be staring at this blank piece of paper for a long time, and uh, and it's still like it's a work in progress, but. You know, it led me like my company led me to create the yearly event called Refuel, which I think you know about, which led me to create this podcast, which then led me to create an event called Go, um, which combined activity with inspiration. And that led me to to what will be part of my next uh, my next thing, which is creating a non-alcoholic brewery um, called Go Go Brewing. And it's just it's just serendipitous how it all worked out and and it, i and i could tell you Heather that i was sitting here for many months i would say years just being being patient but impatient at the same time because it's it's hard to know that there's something there's something happening but if if you take steps life starts to unfold in front of you and you don't and you don't know these dots that are going to be connected in front of you, you always can see it after they happen. And you're like, Oh, that's why I did that. And, and that's, um, it's just something I learned that, uh, and I think you saying what you said is like, you know, the pendulum swung and I just need to be patient and I need to listen. I need to, it's almost like you're, you just need to just, listen to the universe for a while and all of a sudden things will start to unfold and and they are now for you like you're, you're more part of a seal fit unbeatable mind, you're a coach like like you know I talked to uh, some other peers there and you're doing a lot more with that group and that's unfolded for you that year ago that wasn't a possibility right,
1: right, no I love that you said patiently impatient because trust who I am is crawling out of my skin and I'm just like that's I, just my soul saying let's go <laughs> But I'm also unwilling to just go until, you you know, again, you listen. Does this feel like? And um, I truly believe that my life, and I know we didn't talk about it, but adversity and challenge is an understatement, but there's a reason why my life has been laid out the way it has. And I truly believe it's to go through the challenges and overcome and then somehow be able to provide others access and tools so that their journey is just a little bit less painful and so I've done it in so many realms but now I'm at this okay how do you really serve your full potential and have what others would say is a business right like how do you have it all and what is the end and again enjoy the process along the way so I showed in the most extreme physical environment how to do that and enjoy your life along the way And now there's like, how do you have the balance of that and the business and the family? And so I think there's just more of the unfolding that needs to take place before I can push publish on my book, because I just want to make sure, like, this isn't for me. Like, (laughs) who would do this, right? I just want to make sure that I'm able to provide access to others in an easy, practical way that they too can live the life they love, whatever it looks like in service of something much bigger than themselves.
0: Yeah, that's that's so well stated and you are an unbelievable inspiration to me and I know anyone listening to this podcast to see what you've you've went through and again like uh, to your point we didn't touch on your entire life here but you can sum it up by saying you went through a ton of adversity in your life. You uh, you overcame and uh, still overcoming challenges and, and really started just saying yes to things. And I think that's, that is to me, not to simplify your journey, but, you know, when you started saying yes, you started taking action and all of a sudden uh, things started to unfold for you. Uh, and here we are today. So it's, that's it. I, I'm, I'm excited to, to read, to read your book when you do decide to write one. <laughs> right.
1: Um, and I think the most important thing for both of us is we're both smiling right now too. Yeah. Right. At the end of the day. Yeah. You just got to smile at who you are and what you did right. and what people say right. about you, right? right? The experience you leave for others. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. And and I know there's there's people out there searching for someone like you to help coach them, to give them that spark and uh and uh mentorship how can people find out more about you heather and get, and get a hold of yeah, you yeah
1: so i'm on social media so facebook is the easiest place to find me but then also for coaching and any of that type of work unbeatable mind they can find me there
0: cool and that's unbeatablemind.com.
1: unbeatable
0: mind yes yeah great and we'll link to all this in the show notes and and again i just uh i can't Thank you enough for you being just an incredible human from the day I met you to now. It's, uh, you know, you've been unequivocally just like this positive force, and the world is better with you in it. And it's just, uh, yeah, I want to have more of these conversations and would love to do an adventure with you at some point as well. For sure.
1: Well, I could say likewise about you. You inspire me. I am so just humbled and encouraged by the work you do in this world. So thank you for everything you do for so many people. And yes, we are definitely getting an event on the (laughs) books.
0: Thank you, Heather. There are so many great takeaways from your story. But first, I hope everyone you could hear it in Heather's voice. Her positivity is infectious. She has this attitude of gratitude and it makes all the difference when starting something new or pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Also, you can see and hear how incredible it is to have an accountability partner, a special ops one at that. More important though, this individual gave their time freely to help another person that they didn't know. And Heather had the courage to walk up and ask for help. I love that. That is what we need to do. So don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help. And please be that person who offers help because together we can go further. Okay, that's all for this week. I hope you have a great day. And remember, you, me, and most importantly, we are not almost there.